Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Thanks for listening. The Lone Ranger had Tonto, Batman had Robin, and even Superman had his human sidekicks. I recognize that the bigger the dream, the larger the vision, the greater the need to have smart, motivated, talented people around you. Because nothing of significance ever happens alone, and as I've said on the show before, one is too small of a number to multiply. Together, we are not simply adding, but we are multiplying our influence to build the momentum and insight necessary to move the hunger needle across our state. And today is no different. Here to talk with us about partnership, impact, and innovation is Dave Hodgkins of the Michigan Heart Association and their partnership with the Food Bank Council of Michigan via the Gleaners Community Food Bank and their program, the My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery, that brings high-quality groceries to people who are underserved. Come back and be with Dave, Jerry, and I in just a moment. We'll be right here. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, CEO and President of Gleaners Community Food Bank and the Chairman of the Food Bank Council of Michigan's Board of Directors. Jerry, we're coming off a spectacular day yesterday in... Uh, in Lansing, where we had the Hunger Solutions Day and met with our caucus, and uh, you made some visits there to legislators to talk about food insecurity. How did those visits go? What was your impression there? Well, certainly positive. Uh, there's, a, there's a growing awareness of what we do and why it's important and how we really help leverage dollars to create community impact. And we spent a lot of time reminding people as they're going through the budget appropriations process that, you know, the, the funds that the food banks get across the state that serve all 83 counties in Michigan, uh, the the it's used many of those funds are used to buy food directly from Michigan farmers at a very low cost right. and then take that fresh healthy produce and distribute it to people who are food insecure the retail value of that food is 16 times the amount of money that we get to buy it right yeah. and so that's huge leverage and and even you know there's so much change in the legislator every couple of years you get a whole bunch of new people and so you just got to be there to remind them this is an important program it drives a lot of value it improves health it improves access to this kind of food and we want to make sure we don't lose any ground and of course if we're trying to solve food insecurity you can't afford to lose ground at that level no you can't do it well, as promised, one of our partners in this um, great mission of creating food security across the state is Dave Hodgkins. He is the Government Relations Director for the Heart Association here in Michigan, and he's in our WJR studio. So, Dave, welcome. Welcome to WJR and Food for Thought. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So, let's, um, 
you and I met several years ago mm-hmm. as a heart association really became active in this uh, idea that Jerry just talked about, about how do we get fresh fruit, fresh fruit and vegetables, fresh food to people in need. And uh, that kind of is where our lives and careers uh, intersected, and it's been going great ever since. Yeah, absolutely. So we've we've been very, very pleased with uh, work with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. I think that when we first started exploring um, food insecurity and potential solutions or components to solutions, um, you know, immediately we were thinking of the food retail component. So your grocery stores, your brick and mortars, if you will. And so um, to have a project like the Food Bank Council of Michigan brought to our attention, um, we were very excited to be a part of that. Well, it's good. We want to talk a little bit more about that, but um, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, how, are you are you from Michigan? Are you <laughs> born and raised here? How, uh, do you get to wear one of those shirts? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, yep, born and raised in Michigan. I'm from Ionia originally. Um, I met my wife up at Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant. and we've, Fire up chips? That's right, fire up chips. And yeah, uh, we've, we've lived in the Lansing area for um, about six, seven years now. Yeah, well, you can notice the fire up chips over here. <laughs> Fellow chip yeah, he has uh, Jerry's. Um, well, I'll, you say it. Uh, my son Nate plays football for uh, Central. All right, it's his senior year coming up, and uh, so exciting! I'm going to make it to every game this year. I made it to all the home games, but mm-hmm. this year I'm going home and away, and I can't can't wait to watch him play. Yeah. So while you're up there uh, swinging to Max and Emily's on Broadway, it's an awesome restaurant. My my late father-in-law used to own that, but now family friends own it, so it's a great sandwich shop, great place to get. All right, eat. Max and Emily's it is. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, so nice commercial there for Max and Emily. I like that. A little, little plug. Chippewa football there. And uh, any NFL scouts listening, Nate. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's let, – that great. Well, so grew up here in mid-Michigan in mid, mid mm-hmm. and, um, and then uh, went to CMU. And how did you get – how did you, how, you right? How did you get into advocacy and yeah. government relations? It, it, was, it was a little bit of a journey. So um, I, uh, for a long time, wanted to spend a lifetime in the Marine Corps. Um, I was participating in the officer candidate school program, and an old injury, football injury, came back to uh, kind of haunt me a little bit. So I started to seek other opportunities, and some friends who had uh, some internships in the House of Representatives down in Lansing told me about that, and so I applied for one and, and got that and kind of worked my way up, and a few years ago jumped over on the other side of the table and started lobbying for the American Heart Association on, on really a wide set of issues, but um, right. food access is been the biggest one. Today. Like it's almost like a multi-client. I mean, because you you touch so many different issues. It really it really is. So I am an in-house lobbyist, right. um, but our portfolio covers all kinds of things from tobacco prevention, physical activity, um, safe communities, and, and certainly again, food access, nutrition. Well, it's a pretty natural fit for uh, us <laughs> to work together, yeah. Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks, and obviously the American Heart Association. And specifically, we want to talk about that partnership. Now, I'm, I'm think we're going to close out this segment. Jerry, let me 
get you to jump in here really quick and set us up for the next segment. Well, we've had an amazing partnership over the last year or so, uh, looking at one of the ways that we're bringing improvement to this whole issue of healthy food access and improving food insecurity. It's called My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery. And so we'll talk about that coming right up and what that is and how it works and what got the Heart Association interested in it. Absolutely. Great. You come back and be with us. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. He's Jerry Brisson, and we're with Dave Hodgkins, the Government Relations Director for Michigan and the American Heart Association. We're going to talk about the My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery. You come back and be with us in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight with Jerry Brisson here on Food for Thought. Dave Hodgkins, Government Relations Director for Michigan and the American Heart Association, is in our studio. Jerry, what was the origin of the My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery Project? So some years ago, it was actually uh, just at the tail end of what we call the Great Recession here in, in, in America, where the economy started coming back after a pretty low point, 2011-2012. Um, the SNAP program, that's the used to be food stamps. Um, now it's called SNAP. Um, or is, the bridge card. That's here. exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's based on the economy. So as the economy does better, more people use it, as the, or less people use it. As the economy does worse, more people use it, and it's built that way. So we could see that as the economy was improving, there might be some changes to SNAP, and yet, we saw a lot of the people we were serving weren't necessarily improving as quickly as the economy. So we wanted to figure out a way to maintain access to healthy food for the people who might be impacted by a change in SNAP. That was that was mm-hmm. what was going on that made us think about, well, what would that be? And we looked at about a dozen or so different models nationwide to say, what would be the best way to bring people that access? And we saw a lot of bus programs, a lo- <laughs> and, and all of them were 100% produce, but they were all going out of business. They were all yeah. lasting a year or two or until yeah. the funding ran out. And we said, well, consistency is so important for the people we serve. Their lives are already chaotic chaotic enough, we want to develop a program that could help them use the resources they have to the best of their ability, make Mm. the program more sustainable, and provide healthy food access. And that was the genesis of My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery. So as we were exploring that idea, we were looking for funding partners that would come alongside us who were also interested in those issues and you know, put up some of the money up front because it takes time to learn what really works for people. And that's how we came across the American Heart Association. <laughs> and and now what I'm interested in is how did you guys decide <laughs> this is something we're interested in and we want to fund? Yeah, certainly. So um, when we first started uh, becoming interested, becoming involved in issues like food insecurity, um, you know, we, we had to really identify the reasons why, right? So um, for the American Heart Association, we obviously wanted to come at this from more of a health outcomes perspective, um, particularly looking at things like childhood obesity. And yeah. so what we discovered was that there is obviously not one blanket solution to such a complex problem like childhood obesity or food insecurity. And so with the 
um, policies that we were pursuing, we knew that this was going to take more of a robust effort, more of a network, more of a coalition approach to that. Right. And so uh, identifying partners like the Food Bank Council of Michigan and the project that they were undertaking with my neighborhood mobile grocery, uh, we knew that that was going to be something like a one-two punch in the face of food insecurity and in turn those diet-related illnesses. And so we were very happy to be a part of that. You know, it's cool to me because you guys were thinking um, retail access to food, and that's exactly what this is. I mean, it's not retail, but it's shopping. You know, it's not just a mobile distribution that traditionally food banks do. And as Jerry said, the, the origin of this idea, there's 200 food banks in the Feeding America network across America. They serve every county in America, and there's been lots of... I don't know what the word was, projects, pilots of this nature, and none of them have really ever succeeded long term. Mm-hmm. And the th- remarkable thing about My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery is that it the business plan is sustainable. Absolutely. And I'd like for you guys, because I know that was a key interest yeah. for you guys as a donor, mm-hmm. and it, why you gave us, the, the, why the money came along so that you could learn, particularly marketing and nuances and how do people shop and why do they shop, where they shop, and all of that was time to learn, and this this support helped do that. But but the business model, I think, is the probably one of the most attractive factors of the program, Jerry. Well, what I, I got to give some credit where credit is due. So when we started pursuing this path, there, there came an opportunity actually with PepsiCo as they were looking at um, ways that they could invest in healthy food access based on some other things they were doing. And uh, Gleaners and Forgotten Harvest here locally submitted a joint grant together to PepsiCo to study the shopping habits of low-income people so we could do two things. One is understand our inventory better and are we distributing to people what they want and need. But also to look at what is the possibility for extending access to healthy food in new and creative ways. So that business plan was born out of that grant as well as the hiring of a woman named Julie Beamer, who's my chief operating officer, who spent years in operations at General Motors and honestly is one of the smartest people I've ever worked with. And uh, she's been a tremendous help to gleaners in a lot of ways, but really understanding the particulars of how to do a good business plan and how to take it to market is one of her huge strengths and gifts. So we're lucky to have her and, uh, and she's really done a lot to help us make a plan that actually is at a certain volume sustainable while driving a 40% improvement over the lowest cost retail shopping. So it's not it's it's not just a business plan that works at a significant margin. It actually works at a very small margin, but to do that, what are you going to do? You're going to limit choice. Right? You can't have all of the same things a grocery store has. You've got to limit it to what you can get for the for the cost of and the health benefits and all those other things, right? It also has to be what people want to need, so it's complex in terms of managing all those things. But that's where Julie Julie's intelligence really has helped us create something powerful there. And I think that's something that the American Heart Association picked up on right away as well. Is that you know looking at the reports for the first year of the model program, it shows that there has been success and a demand from a consumer level for those healthier products. I mean, a, um, a large percentage of the sales went towards things that stayed in line with the USDA MyPlate recommendations. And right. so for the American Heart Association, that was something that's very important. And if I could just for a second speak to the innovation of the 
model itself. Um, so, so for us, again, looking long term, we were thinking something along the lines of helping these communities create an infrastructure that will be sustainable and long lasting, but that will take time to do. And that's where we were really intrigued by this, My Neighborhood Mobile Groceries, because it's more of an immediate um, solution to components of food insecurity. Sure. Yeah, and we don't want to lose the sight of the long term, mm-hmm. absolutely. But in the meantime, and that's one of the, the beautiful things about the project is that it is mobile. Absolutely. So as those long term solutions pop up in the form of a mom and pop grocery store or whatever, great. Now this area is served, and it doesn't thwart you know uh, a business opportunity that someone sees and takes advantage of. And Jerry and Gleaners' model of my neighborhood mobile grocery is mobile. It can go some. It can go to the the next. Right. I, I think we stopped using the term food desert and started <laughs> using the term food swamp, <laughs> <laughs> because the only thing that's available there is you know essentially food that's not going to lead you to a healthy lifestyle. Exactly. Right. So. Um, or so, another way to think about that is what the environment you get food actually dictate to some degree the food you get not just because of what's available but because of what's advertised because of what's encouraged right so how many uh mascots does hot fritos have right how many (laughs) commercials do you see encouraging that right and that's not a bad thing Hot Fritos are great. Three. <laughs> we, we, we could do a whole other segment on marketing of bad products. Yeah. Not, not to name specific ones. Right. But, I mean, but at the end of the day, we want to encourage people to make other choices that are going to be better for their health. Because we know that one of the things that drives food insecurity over time is poor health. Mm. And, and making trade-offs between my health bills and my food bill is one of the things that creates food insecurity. So we have to be on top of that to be on top of food insecurity. Right, exactly. We're going to come back and continue this conversation with Dave Hodgkin. He's the Government Relations Director for Michigan, and that's with the American Heart Association, Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We're going to be back in just a moment to continue uh, talking about this partnership. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. You come back and be with all three of us. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight in the studio with Dave Hodgkins, the Government Relations Director for Michigan and the American Heart Association. Um, Dave, I know that... um, you're busy because <laughs> we see each other running the halls in the senate office building in the house office building and then of course in the in the chambers that are out just outside the yep. chambers uh on the senate and the house side and uh and you're working on some some things as uh the in-house uh, advocate for the american heart association here in michigan 
What are some of those things that, that you guys and how's that touching access to healthy, nutritious food and some of the other ideas that you guys are working on? Yeah, sure. So um, in addition to being the government relations director for the American Heart Association, I'm, I also have the honor of serving as vice chair of the Childhood Obesity Coalition, Healthy Kids, Healthy Michigan. Mm-hmm. And through that, we really um, try and take a wider lens approach to the issue of food access and nutrition. Um, and so some of the other things that we're working on uh, would be pro programs like 10 cents a meal, right? So we've talked a little bit about some things that we can do out in the community. And 10 cents a meal is really something that is focused in the school system where it partners local agribusiness operations, so local farmers, to come into schools and teach students about some of the things that they're growing, that they're producing, and also increase the access and variety of that fresh produce to mm. the students in that school district. Um, and so what it does is that is it takes 10 cents and matches that um, with uh, state funding um, to increase really the purchasing power of that school district for these fresh fruits and vegetables. Cool. Yeah, we're part of that coalition. Healthy Kids, Healthy Michigan. We yep. I, yeah, love the co- conversations that are happening that mm-hmm. level. So, um, Jerry, what, do you, what are you thinking about the Heart Association here. Did you know that they were involved in so many different areas? Well, I mean, we've had actually quite a few different intersections with them besides mobile grocery, too, in terms of encouraging fresh fruit and vegetable consumption. Mm-hmm. So we're familiar. Um, we, we've distributed materials through our through our food distribution programs alongside the Thank American you. Heart Association <laughs> and some other things, too, because, again, for us... You know, food food happens in the in the um, in the household along with all the other things going on in that household that affects how people live and breathe and act every day, and it's those habits um, that really matter when it comes to long term health. And so as we see long-term health costs rise and less and less people um, having all of the health care uh, that they need, really. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us are one paycheck away or maybe two from struggling with how am I going to feed everyone in my household. And so if you're not healthy, you're even closer to the edge and that crisis can happen so much faster. And that's a message that we all have to be aware of. And the more we can help our our families that we serve participate in that conversation and, and really understand, hey, they are empowered to make choices that will make their life better. Um, the more we think we'll create a better culture around this that then, you know, we won't be talking about eat all your fruits and vegetables. We'll say, hey, don't forget the hot Fritos. <laughs> and if we had our way, that's how it would be, right? Like, you know, hot Fritos are okay now and again. And of course, you know, but that takes time, as you say. And so all these things that we've done together to encourage this um, are really exciting to us and we think really important to the people we serve. Yeah, and you, and you said something there that um, I couldn't I couldn't agree with more and that's really making making choices and making um, opportunities for individuals to empower their own lifestyles and impact their family as well. So, you know, we've been talking about the things that we can do to help increase access, but we also have to remember that it's important to go into these communities and provide that certain level of education for individuals so that they are making responsible choices. And I'm not going to speak to the whole Fritos comment. I'll let you go ahead and do that. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, right? So people know, I think, and have known for a long time that nutrition plays a vital role in our overall day-to-day health operations. And right now, we are just simply spending too much money on healthcare costs for those diet-related illnesses. 
So I think I think your statistic here. Um, I don't know that we've said it enough on the show yet. But in regard, to, we, so we talked about a lot of things. So let's talk about one of those diseases as it relates to SNAP. And you use a statistic that we're using for diabetes, the cost of diabetes compared to the cost of SNAP. Well, just the hard cost alone in the U.S. to treat diabetes last year was $170 billion dollars. Just the hard cost. That's not all the soft costs, all the staffing and administrative costs. That's just the hard cost to treat that one disease. So if you look at the percentage of people in the country that are that are low income, and you just cross-relate those two things, you'd be at $44 billion to treat diabetes alone. Just one food-related disease. Now, it's an expensive one, but it's just one. And SNAP is a just over $70 billion program. So to the degree that that our food programs encourage or don't encourage healthy consumption, we're impacting families in more than one way. We want to make sure families have choice because choice is a critical component, not only of empowerment, but of just um, making sure things don't go to waste. I mean, you want people to choose the things they want because then they'll eat them, right? right? So any of our government programs that are looking at this have got to be concerned about choice, but we also have to be concerned about what people choose because if we're not, then on the back end of that, we're catching things like diabetes, which also cost a lot of money. So it's a complex conversation. There's a lot to it, but we've got to be concerned about both if we're going to have really true effective government programs. Yeah, absolutely. So, so speaking just in terms of Michigan, you know, the American Heart Association on a national level has been very concerned about helping children grow up at healthy weights. So here in Michigan, we know that we spend over $3 billion annually just on obesity-related medical costs. And, you know, we're talking about diabetes just being one thing, right, that costs so much money. Well, if you think about having um, issues like childhood obesity, if you start um, off having negative health trends at a younger age, we know that you are far more likely to continue those negative trends and have compounding negative ailments in adulthood. And so, again, speaking to the three billion number for just obesity-related medical costs, we could expect that to skyrocket if we don't start to encourage individuals to make healthier choices. You know, the thing, though, that, that I know it's complex, you know, but I got to put the cookies on the lower shelf so I can understand <laughs> it here. So it's, it's uh, for me, it's a, it's, we're one generation away from fixing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think we need to be inspired and encouraged by that. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that while it is complex and, and this affects that and that turns into this and then all of a sudden, boom, we're so far in debt. When, it, when, when Jerry says all the time on this show, and I'll even say it for you this time, <laughs> the, the alternative of creating access to healthy, nutritious food is so inexpensive in relation to what the cost is on the backside of whatever you're talking yeah. about, whether it's obesity, diabetes, right. or whatever. It's cheaper to get healthy food to people than it is to fix all the problems if they don't have it. Yeah. It's Basic that's bottom line, right? Prevention. That's what I'm talking about, putting the cookies on the lower <laughs> shelf. See, I can understand that. <laughs> I can get that. So it's a... Uh, I also want to add one more thing about lifestyle, and it, it's money's easy to talk about because it's measurable, but it also has to do with what, how much work you miss, how how much of your life is is constrained because you're just not healthy enough to do the things you might want to do or the things you might have to do later. So it is 
related to money, but it's also related to living life and living life to the yeah. fullest and being able to really do all the things you want to do. So it's it's so important on so many levels. Well, I think great leaders create great choices. And uh, Dave, I think that's uh, exactly what you and your team and uh, all through the Heart Association in our experience has is doing. You're helping create great choices for people. And um, we want to say thank you for standing in the gap for those people and for your leadership and that of your team across Michigan and all across the Midwest region. I appreciate that. And, and, I, and I echo that back to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gleaners. Thank you, Food Bank Council of Michigan. You have all been excellent partners. Well, great. He's Dave Hodgkins. He is the Government Relations Director for the Heart Association here in Michigan. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this show. In just a moment, you come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. We appreciate you staying tuned with us here on Food for Thought. On WJR, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry, we had Dave Hodgkins in with us, and uh, who'd have thunk it? Yeah, you know, I started in this basic needs work over 30 years ago, and I don't know we could have imagined then that some of our most important partnerships would be with people like Dave and the American Heart Association, because at that time, our focus was so much about keeping food from going to waste. Hmm. We knew that a lot of food was just getting thrown away in the whole food chain, from farms to food manufacturing to retail. And so... And household. Yeah. And our goals were really, really simple. Get that food that's going to waste and get it to people who are in line at pantries and other places that are distributing emergency food. So it was a it was a simple idea with a lot of logistical challenge that food banks came along to solve. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we were. Today, we've learned a lot more about what households need and the struggles they're having that, that um, we have to take into account as we consider this whole issue of providing food access. And so My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery, which we talked about, is one innovative idea. It's not going to solve everything for everyone, but it's an important part of our continued learning about how to serve the community best, especially that community that is food insecure. Okay, so My Neighborhood Mobile Groceries has gone through several stages of development. But where you're at right now, what population is it serving best? Yes, the senior population that are living in senior centers is who it's serving best right now. Now, there is literally hundreds of those in the five counties that we serve. So our focus is, now that we can see it really working, and and it's because a lot of the people in these centers can't go to the store. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't have the mobility to do it. And so bringing some limited choice but good choice shopping to them at a very, very good price is a way to interact with them positively and constructively. It's not taking any business away from anybody else because these are folks that aren't able to go patronize those businesses. So it's it's been a nice hand-in-glove kind of relationship. So let's tie that back to our mission. Our mission is to create food security, a food secure state, right? So here's an entire population that is neglected 
are unable to be served by traditional retail enterprises. Right. And so I think it's uh, while it might not be a threat to business and and you know and I'd be okay with it if it was to be quite honest with you, but that's another topic for another conversation. Uh, it's creating food security within this population of seniors. And I think that's something to be extremely proud of. Well, thank you. I I also think it's helping them use their resources. So it's not just going out and saying, we need to take money from this person and give it to that person. We're saying the resources that a person already has can be better used. So we're looking at every part of the food chain right up to what does the consumer have to bring to the table to help solve their own problem. And when we talk about empowerment, That's what it looks like when people have the ability to solve their own problems themselves without needing help from somebody else. It makes them feel better. It makes them more capable. It makes them better able to manage their life. And that's what we want to do on top of just getting food out to people. Yeah. So, all right. So we talked a little bit with Dave about obesity and diabetes and the cost of all that. And now even with this, and so I'm going to keep this tied to the senior population. You're you're distributing high-quality food here. You're not distributing whatever somebody might want to have given you at some point. In other words, it's, it's, you're very, very, very health-conscious about the food that you're delivering. Well, and probably worth saying, none of the food for My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery is donated. It is all purchased. It's 100% purchased because our, our, our relationships with food donors, we don't want to sell food that they've given to us, right? And we're never going to do that. that, that the, the, un, the unethical position of that, the moral, is just, it's not, we just would never do it. Exactly right. If it's given, in, if it's given to us, we give it away, right? right? There is no money exchange in those things at all. So My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery is 100% purchased food, but it's purchased from sources that are very, very low cost and, and very, very healthy. So directly from Michigan Farms is a huge part of how we make this program work, and it works for the farmers, and it works for us, and it works for the consumers. It's, wow. it's a lot of choices, but it's not the same that you're that you would get at the store you, you have some great shoppers on your team oh we have some amazing shoppers right? <laughs> you, you win in the buy right you win in the buy the, the better you can buy the better the better your sales are going to be there's no question about that and uh greg and misty and and our folks on that team are phenomenal yeah so what do you think the potential for my neighborhood mobile grocery is in michigan well So we certainly see and have a pretty turnkey solution for senior centers. We've got a waiver uh, that we've asked for to allow us to do pre-order and delivery, and that would be a game changer for rural populations. It would be a game changer for um, if you needed to consider home delivery for people that are absolutely immobile and but still living at home as opposed to in a center. If and and we think it could be uh, helpful for families um, if they could come, like for example, to school when they pick up their kids, and there's their mobile grocery order right there as they're picking up their kids. So it it's a little early to scope it out fully, but we think we think you know statewide could it be thirty percent of of what SNAP is today? Maybe. I mean, um, and again, that might be a scary number for people that are getting those SNAP dollars now. And our intention is not to be uh, creating a whole nother way for people to get food that can already get food that way. But what we are saying is, we're going to have to drive efficiencies. We're going to have to get people more food secure than they are now, and we've got to have conversations about how to do that. So 
the business model and and how you're able to generate a significant stretching of not just a snap dollar but any dollar right Let, let's close this show up with highlighting those two points for me so um, when you look at the the SNAP program nationwide, it's it's over seventy billion dollars. But when you look at the amount of money that consumers spend on grocery beyond SNAP, it's significantly bigger than that. It's it's multiple times that size, right? So our goal in all of the things we do is to enable as much choice as we can within a cost framework that drives the highest value. And because we're a nonprofit corporation, and none of what we do pays for, you know, shareholder profits or any other uh, value in the economy that way, we can drive that value right back to consumers. And it was actually the board of directors of Gleaners that said, why don't you look at that as a possible way of reaching more people so that we're not just um, looking at donations as a way to drive results, but we're also looking at business models that can help people use their resources better. And and so we've been looking at it and, and we think that this will continue to develop to some degree. It's clearly important for people who have mobility issues and other transportation issues. Um, Now, of course, Amazon is looking at that too. So, you know, we're not the only ones in this game and we're not, we know other people are going to help as well, but I feel like um, there's a huge opportunity here to help people do the most with what they have. Excellent. That's what we want to do. Jerry's time for a little food for thought, and I appreciate your thoughts. Every day, there are 1,440 minutes. That means we have 1,440 daily opportunities to make a positive impact. In leadership, we talk about prioritizing our schedule. And probably what we should talk about is scheduling our priorities. I don't think it's any different when we talk about human need. That's why we talk about food first. Food first. And if we can create a food first mentality through projects and partnerships like the Food Bank Council of Michigan and the Heart Association and the My Neighborhood Mobile Grocery Project at Gleaners and establish a food first priority, I think we'll see significant progress in all that we're trying to do to create food security and take the toxic stress of food insecurity out of people's homes and lives. And that's what we want to do. So there's no difference. I'd like for you to keep following us here on WJR and Food for Thought. If you miss the show, you can catch us at foodsecuremichigan.org. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at DrPhil14. And don't forget, until next week, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.